welcome to Pacific Mammal Researchers Marine Mammal Highlight Series. We are a 501c3 research and education nonprofit studying marine mammals in the Salish Sea off Washington State. In this series, you will learn about different marine mammals as we discuss interesting facts about each species. This is our way to geek out, share some information, and have some fun. We hope you enjoy the series and be sure to follow us on Instagram to vote for which animal we talk about next. And without further ado, Welcome to the next Pac-Man podcast. Uh, we are doing a marine mammal highlight this week. Um, I'm Cindy. I'm Kat. I'm Trevor. And this week, the minky finally won. <laughs> the minky's been part of the poll for the last like three times, I think, and it's come close to winning, but then something else edged out. Uh, but this week it won, so we're very happy to be able to be doing uh, the minky whale. Um, so that's uh, fun. It's going to be a good one. Um, so uh, I think Trevor's going to start us off with some basic information background and the confusion of taxonomy. Yeah. <laughs> so minke whale is one of the species that we have here in the Puget Sound and Salish Sea waters. And it's one of the two species that exists as minke whales. So we have the northern minke whale or the common mm -hmm. versus the southern minke whale or the Antarctic minke whale. Right. And I can go through the, the nitty gritty differences between the two, but the main difference is their range. So the Northern is only found basically Northern hemisphere and up or equator and North, I should say. Right. And <laughs> Southern, Southern Minky is equator and South. And there's like a little bit of overlap between right, the Because they're like a they're they're strange in that they're in almost all waters, like from, from Antarctic to equa equatorial. Right. Interesting. But more so, they're more, when I was looking at the common minke, for example, I was looking at just the northern and southern range. It seems like it's pretty, I mean, all along the northern North American coast, mm -hmm. you can be found, but on the Atlantic side, it's weird if you find it south of like New Jersey. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, we would never see anything down by Florida. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. So, I mean, they, they have found them in the Gulf of Mexico as vagrants, but. <laughs> some weird guys that lost their way. Right. All right. I'm looking for some warm climbs. Right. Interesting. Huh. And so I guess the the one weird thing about the northern minke is there is a dwarf form, which I believe is a subspecies. Yeah, I think when I read that that it's it's not mm -hmm. a full species yet. They just yeah, I couldn't find like a definitive like yes, this is a subspecies, but yeah. I think Noah might have said that, so I'll believe. Yeah, it. I think that yeah. I think I think I read it like in two different places, so it, it I think it definitely is a subspecies. They're just not sure if it should be a full on species. Okay. Well, the dwarf species is not find, found in the Northern Hemisphere, which is odd to me as the Northern minke is not, dwarf form is not found in the Northern Hemisphere. That is weird. Why isn't it the Antarctic dwarf minke? It's technically the same, like genetics would make it the same species, I guess, mm. versus the Southern. Interesting. But it's found in like Australia and those, those waters down South. Interesting. And dwarf uh, means but, they're, they're just, it's, it's just a, basically a smaller version of the minke. Pretty much, which I'll go through those little nitty gritty stuff here. Um, the northern minke, which we find around here, gets to around 30 feet long and two that or 20,000 pounds. And that makes them the second smallest baleen whale in the world. But the smallest, the smallest being the north or the pygmy right whale. Oh. Not by much. Those little pygmy guys. <laughs> but it does make it the smallest rorqual in the world. Okay, that's that's what it was, right? Yeah. And Rorqual, uh, just a reminder for everybody, Rorqual is the ones that have the uh, the grooves in the throat. 
that, that can expand like an accordion. Okay. Um, the Southern Minky on the other hand is 35 feet long and 22,000 pounds ish. So just basically the same, but a little bigger. A little bit, yeah. Which makes them the third smallest baleen whale. <laughs> They're just racking up the lower end. Right. <laughs> Um, and then you got the dwarf form of the northern minke, which is just basically the same thing, but just a little smaller. It's hard to it's hard to distinguish between the southern minke as well. Right. Well, because what is it, it? What is the? How big do they get again? The southern will get up to thirty five. And the, what about the dwarf? The dwarf will get to twenty six. Okay. So, so when a, you're in the field, you might small. not like instantly recognize. Well, that's yeah. the problem with anything with size. Like sometimes it's like, oh, wow. Okay. That's a male and that's a female. But when it's right. when right. that, I mean, like with porpoises, yeah, females are a little bit bigger than uh, harbor porpoises, females are a little bit bigger than males, but it's, you know, inches. <laughs> so you're not going to notice that. And if you're talking yeah. about a 30 foot animal, really a 30 foot versus 35 foot, you're not going to be like, oh, that one was only five feet smaller than that one. Right. It's just not something you're going to notice. Right. And there is some difference in, um, their coloration and baleen actually. Mm -hmm. So the, oh, yeah, I didn't the northern minky or common minky has 230 to 360 baleen plates mm -hmm. with 50 to 70 throatal pleats, which is basically those lines on the throat that it can expand when they gulp or uh, right. gulp. Gulp feeding, feed. yeah. And then the southern has a little less on average with 200, 200 to 300 baleen plates and I think it was less throttle pleats. I, oh yeah, 22 to 38 throttle pleats. What I find interesting is that the, the range within the, you know, one subspecies or whatever is, is so large. Like yeah. individuals have 200 to 300 baleen plates. That <laughs> right. seems like it's a large range to have for, friend, I guess, but you know, it's like, it'd be like, oh, well, humans have 20 to 40 teeth, you know, like that's, <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> they're colored different too. So the north, mm -hmm. um, they're white or cream colored baleen mm -hmm. versus yeah. in the south, they have, I think it was black colored baleen in the back, like towards the throat mm -hmm. and then white colored in the front. Oh. So I, I guess if you could look at the two species, that's be the biggest difference. I guess you could evolutionary say. reason for that. I have no idea. That's so interesting. And then the dwarf northern has like a black line on their, their, uh, baleen. With the southern minky too, there is asymmetry in the coloration of their baleen too. Ooh. There is less white on the left side of the mouth of the baleen plates than there is on the right. Weird. That's so weird. Like why? I think, like, doesn't the fin whale have something like that too? Not baleen wise, but I think coloration on one side of their body is different than the other. Huh. Yeah, I guess, I guess I could see the coloration on the outsides being more normal than like why would they're right on the baleen or what but i mean the only maybe. thing i could think with the baleen is that when they're doing the gulp feeding if maybe the the color somehow is more camouflaged for the type of prey that they're feeding on so that the the fish are less likely to scatter when they come up beneath them if they're like but that's i mean that's i have no idea yeah but that's the only thing that i could think of with the baleen as to why that might be like advantageous yeah, but right i mean it's possible something's it's not advantageous at all it just happens to be and there's no there's no selection against it so it continues in the population true but it, i don't know it's crazy interesting. see aren't you guys glad that you finally right. picked the minky I so know. you know i was i found a lot more than i really thought i was going to about yeah, the minky. Cool. 
Um, I guess I haven't really talked about what they look like externally. <laughs> I can do that part too. There, so I gave you the sizes, but if you are out in the field and you think you see one, they, what I imagine, if you know what a harbor porpoise looks like, to me, they just look like giant harbor porpoises. And that I equate them behaviorally too. We'll talk about that. They're very similar yeah. to, to porpoises in that way. So like I said, 30 feet-ish in length, but they're, they have a really curved dorsal fin that's pretty tiny, about two thirds down the body. And they're generally all gray with little patches of white kind of scattered throughout their body. Mm -hmm. and with generally a white patch on their pectoral fins. Yeah, sometimes like that, there's like, a, like a, uh, that, that part, isn't that for the northern, for the one that we have? They all have the white patch, it's just pronounced differently based on region. Okay, because I know, I remember region. reading like ours, like that's one of the big things you notice is you'll, you can see that it's very stark, the white, yeah. the white patch up here. The dwarf minky, I think they said had the most obvious like band mm -hmm. of white versus the other species or north versus south. Right. So it might spread out more. It might not be as stark, but mm -hmm. they all have the white. And then they're very clearly camera shaded, dark on top, white on bottom, and then some white streaks on the sides sometimes. And so what's interesting about that too is um, that's how they ID these animals um, individually. And so I, it was actually interesting when I first started coming out here trying to do the harbor porpoises and thinking about doing pigmentation patterns, I actually went to a conference and heard Jared Towers talk who um, it does a lot of research up in Canada uh, and he was talking about minkies and using the coloration pattern. So I went up afterwards and I was like, oh, <laughs> can you do that? Does it work? Okay, because I want to try this with porpoises. <laughs> awesome. um, so it's, it's neat that they use the scarring and the coloration patterns on the side to be able to ID the individuals. I did see the southern uh, minky whale. They have two white streaks coming from the blowhole as Ooh, well. That's cool. Which Isn't is that's gonna be far more prominent than the north. So that's another huh. easy identifier between the two. Interesting. I mean, I guess the biggest identifier would just be where you are in the world too. I mean, unless That's you're in that little band of overlap, it's probably going to be, you're most likely right. going to know what you're looking at, which is helpful. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be like, I'm up here and I saw a Southern. No, you did not. Well, right. I guess, I mean, you know, the dwarf minky technically is a, a Northern minky species. Mm -hmm. So there is overlap there and they do overlap True. a little bit at the equator, which I think, I don't know if Kat, you're gonna talk about it, but I think there's two accounts of hybrids that they found oh. between the North and South. I actually well, wasn't going to talk about that, but. Can, but, but also that goes to like it. hybrids. Is it a hybrid if they're still technically the same species? Well, it was a Northern minky mating with a Southern minky. I know, but they're still technically the same species. So a hybrid is technically between no, two they're, different they're, species. They're two distinct species that North and South are. I thought they were just subspecies. The dwarf is a subspecies. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But the north in general is a sub, is a different species than the south. Okay. Bueno. Yeah. Gotcha. So the Clear. two hybrids that they found were due to whaling when the when they caught oh. them. And I think the one one of the hybrids was pregnant, so they're able to. Oh you know, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, they're not. I mean. They're not a whole. They're not really that different. Yeah. <laughs> So which way, which way round was the hybridization? Does it, did it say as to which um, one was the female and the male? I think it was both. I'll have to check on that, but. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't think that there would really be that much difference be either behaviorally or physically that it would make one be always the male and the other one always the yeah. female. Right. As, as we, like we see in harbor porpoises and dolls porpoises. Right. Or the blue and fin whale hybrid too. That's a right. size, exactly. size issue typically. So yeah. Like Interesting. In the Pacific with the Japanese whaling ships that caught them, which mm -hmm. makes more sense. Because mm -hmm. yeah. there's way more crossover in the Pacific than Atlantic. 
Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and what's interesting too, I, I noted that the uh, they they said that the minky actually may have uh, benefited from whaling, which is really weird because huh. you wouldn't think of that. But because they basically they they the minkies are like oh they're too small they're not worth the, the trouble so they didn't whale them until more modern times. Um, but so they took out all the bigger whales, which they all eat very similar things. So you basically reduce the competition for these animals and you increase the prey that they had because those other guys weren't eating it. And so they may have actually done a little bit better until they then decided to start whaling them as well. <laughs> I'll talk about it in my section a little right. bit more. Good. <laughs> um, but it's, it's an interesting, I, we never, I, I, I never would have thought that a whaling, a whale species would have possibly benefited from whaling in an odd way. Interesting. Well, that's my descriptive factors of those guys. If you okay. want to move on, Cindy. All right, diet and behavior. Here we go. So this, I'm going to start off with my favorite thing about these guys. I learned this a few years ago from some uh, whale watching friends. Um, they have a nickname and it's a very fun one. Um, so if you've ever smelled a cetacean's breath, which I know many of you probably have not, but if you had, they all smell bad, right? It's very fishy and it's not a good smell at all but these guys have such odor in their breath that you can actually smell them sometimes before you see them if you're upwind or downwind I guess you're downwind um and so they're they're called stinky minkies which I just play little minkies <laughs> or minkies they got like super bad halitosis <laughs> very bad breath do they know why is there any kind of like hypothesis as to why theirs is specifically so bad you know, I don't, I haven't seen any. They just say like, they're really, they have really bad breath and it's- Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how you would study that necessarily, <laughs> but. Well, and I guess with all, all the things, there's a lot we don't know about these guys. So that's probably the low on the list as to like why, you know, even though I would think would be really interesting, but you know, yeah, it'd be difficult to catch their breath and then analyze the chemicals and then catch other breath and analyze those chemicals and see why there's difference. But, cause they're all, they're, again, they're eating the same things as the larger, larger baby. Right, well, that's why I was wondering if they just have like a different bacterial makeup yeah. or I don't, I don't know Noah yeah. just wondering they have, they have some really stinky bacteria that <laughs> releases a chemical so they are stinky minkies but they're so cute um so they are as I said before very similar to harbor porpoises uh in that they are loners for the most part um we see them alone and in small groups of two to three occasionally you'll see aggregations of up to 400 individuals but those are normally near like near the poles, near the pole where you have a, a where the food is really good and really abundant. So these guys are like harbor porpoises uh, in that they are inconspicuous at the surface. They they're not flashy. They don't do crazy things. You'll occasionally see them breach. Um, uh, and one one place said that like they, they breach all the time. And I was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and most every other place, other thing I looked at said what we what we see here where you don't see them breach very much. They are very low to the surface and hard to see. Um, I think maybe there's some differences in populations. Perhaps there's some really playful minkies out there that in a particular place that like to do that. Well, it might depend on what context you're seeing them into. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, they are uh, these you know, hard to see sometimes at the surface why they're very easy to miss um, because they are very sleek and they just, um, what's interesting is when they surface though, is that they actually come up rostrum first or their, their nose. So most, most whale species, you don't see their face come out of the water most of the time. Um, but these guys actually come up with their nose kind of pop out of the water and then they, hmm. and they go down, which is interesting. Um, when they surface, they have 
I, I love it. They, a bushy, small, or weak blow. <laughs> I guess it's just not as strong. Um, six and a half to 10 feet high, but I guess that's not super strong. Um, but again, it's very smelly, so it makes up for it in that, in that, in that way. Um, they don't, when, so when they surface too, they don't, like other work walls will oftentimes when they dive, they'll come up and then they fluke up, which means their fluke comes up all the way up out of the water and then they dive down. Um, but these guys don't really do that at all. Um, and so they expose a lot of their back and body in a really high roll sometimes when they dive. So that's why, again, they use that instead of their tail flukes like they do for other species to identify because we don't see their flukes ever. <laughs> and I don't know actually if they'd have coloration on there. I don't think they would like like humpbacks do. Oh, good point. I think in the South, they had more coloration on some of their fluke, but okay. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it's good that they do that higher arch and we get more of their body and we can see more of, the, more of the pigmentation. Again, like we do with harbor porpoises, we love it when they come up a little bit higher out of the water and we can see that. Um, so they, when they feed, they uh, again feed on a lot of the other things like the larger whales do, um, but they oftentimes do what's called a side lunge. So they'll come up on the side of their bodies and come up and lunge out of the water and gulp, like gulp feeding. So they take in all the water, all the fish, their throat grooves expand and then they push the water out through the baleen and then catch all the stuff inside. Uh, they aren't picky. They are opportunistic. They'll eat crustaceans. Crustacean, cr wow. <laughs> crustaceans. That's a new word. It's Love like a it. crustacean that's playing a percussion instrument. A crustacean. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Uh, crustaceans, plankton, and small schooling fish. And so things like anchovies, caplin, um, cod, eels, herring, mackerel, salmon even, sand lance, sari, which is another little bait fish. I looked that one up. Wolfish, pilchard, so they'll often eat krill. That's, those are mainly the Antarctic guys. Um, but then they also eat coalfish. And if you remember coalfish, uh, that's back to, harking back to our say whale episode. Um, that's pollock. Uh, and that's why say whales are called say whales because it's Norwegian for pollock. And this one surprised me, dogfish. Huh, and dogfish are little sharks. Interesting. Like well, they're also not very small, so. Well, I they're, like I mean, they're, yeah, they're not, they're not bait fish small, but they're, you know, they're like a foot, maybe something like that. So I was really, I really, I've never heard of any cetacean eating a dogfish before. Huh. So, and you I may mean, not, if, not a baleen whale. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, any, but yeah, I would suppose. A, Killer whales I, do. I could see a, yeah, I could see a tooth whale. Yeah, and some, well, yeah, I think some bottlenose dolphins have um, learned how to kill like rays and stuff as well, but. Yeah, the different ones. Um, yeah, so and yeah. I, the only, I only know dogfish because that's, if you're gonna dissect a, a, uh, in dissections in college, um, they oftentimes will use dogfish as, hmm. as that. So I got to dissect a dogfish one time. So I thought that was interesting. Um, they, as with other things too, you know, we've talked about it before where birds will, will uh, hang out in an area where marine mammals are feeding and come in and, and take the fish and stuff. Um, and the same thing. So birds can indicate feeding area, but what's interesting is that some minkies may actually target areas where diving birds have previously schooled the prey together. Oh, it's like backwards. I know, right? So instead that's of cool. them doing the work and the, and the birds taking advantage, they do it the opposite. Uh, I mean, that's what we would do with when I was on the whale watching boat, we would always look for the bird balls or the bird congregations first if we look for minkies. Well, yeah, and, not, and that's and that's normal, right? Because you see those and you go, okay, there's something going on there, and then you and then you get there. But that's mm -hmm. again generally usually the marine mammals that are balling that bait ball up first, and then the right. birds are taking advantage of it. So I thought right. it was so the minkies are actually doing what you guys were doing. I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of birds over there. I should go check out that spot. Yeah. <laughs> 
some that's cool cookies. yeah i thought that was really cool um so they let's see what else do i got here um the we talked a little bit about that distribution which and it's interesting that there is some variation um the segregation and distribution of the northern hemisphere animals suggests a complex social and population structure but of course we don't actually know much about it because these guys are hard to study um just because of their size and their behavior and then and the locales of like Antarctica, which it's hard to study these animals in. Mm -hmm. um, but they photo ID in our region. So some places migrate and some places don't. So like some of the individuals will migrate fairly large distances and other places will stay relatively in restricted areas. Um, and they did some photo ID, the guys up in Canada and there's another group here in Puget Sound um, that they did it and they showed that some do migrate long distances over 400 kilometers at a time, um, but, and, um, but then the, um, there are other ones in Puget Sound that have exclusive adjoining home ranges, which is unknown in other baleen whales. So they actually like have a, a, an area, that's where they stay. And that's not normal for baleen, right? Baleen whales, you migrate to one area and you do your thing and you migrate to another area and you do your thing. You feed or you mate and give birth, whatever. Have they so, seen minkies down in Seattle in the Puget Sound area? I assume so, because we, you know, we're, we always hear about them in the San Juans, but. Yeah, I would assume so. And I think why, uh, this one, when they said Puget Sound, I think they're talking about the Salish Sea, um, yeah. because it, it, it was the way it kind of used to be called the Puget Sound, the whole thing. Um, I don't know how far south, south they've been found. Um, I want to say I've heard of them in Hokanao before, but. Yeah, I, I'm going to be surprised. I mean, they, yeah. they, I mean, we saw one in Burles Pass the other day, you know, like last year. So yeah. they can kind of go wherever. Um, but that, I thought that was really interesting that that's really, it's really varied even within a population, right? So the animals that are here, some migrate and some don't, it seems, mm -hmm. um, they do basically though, the, the, the main thing for most Mickeys is that the seasonal movements are very, are much less predictable and much less well-defined than most of the other baleen whale species, right? So again, they know here to go breed, then they go here to go feed and it's at these time frames. and Mickeys are like, I don't subscribe to that. I want to do what I want. <laughs> I've yet to see a minky cap too. I've seen plenty of minkies, but never. I've never, never seen cap. a minky cap either. Well, and so that's interesting is that we have not seen um, calves here in the summer, I believe. And, and in our region, they're loyal to these summer feeding grounds. They're, they're here all the time for, you know, in that time. Um, but what I, I believe when I was looking at the, that stuff, um, they, we, that they've never seen mating in, minkies they don't know where the breeding or calving grounds are um yes. and they think that the babies are with the mom for only four to six months because they they see the moms in the summers but they don't see the calves right because yeah we were discussing that yesterday and it's like oh good point so they must like ditch the calves before they come up here, right. i guess it's presumably like, eh, or you're done <laughs> yeah they're how interesting yeah and so they're sexually mature at seven to eight years old they have a pregnancy is about 10 months and then they can calve every two years on average but some say that they might be able to calf every year. Um, so uh, that I thought that was really interesting um, that they're just like, yeah, all right, you're gone. No, now I'm back, back to doing my right, own thing. Yeah, that's, right? well, especially for a larger, well, I guess, I mean, for a larger whale species, I mean, obviously they're the smaller ones of the baleen right. whales, but um, just, it's interesting that there's that little time in between, like a lot mm -hmm. of times the, the weaning period is, is quite extensive for larger whales. So that's pretty interesting. Exactly. 
Hmm. Yeah. And then they do find um, there's does seem to be, again, those sex differences where females stay closer to shore and males are found farther out. Um, there are some sex differences in migration as well in certain areas. So where the distribution is, where the animals go is by um, sex. You know, females will go a certain area and males will go another. Yeah. Can you tell the difference just male versus female based on observations? I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, there's, you know, okay, so maybe if you see them up at this certain latitude, maybe they're more likely to be females than males, but I don't think there would be a stark, like, oh, that's, we've never seen a male above this area, yeah. But, and I don't know physically, I don't think you can either. They're not sexually dimorphic. So that, um, yeah, so, I mean, the main thing is, so we, there does seem to be a lot of variation in the populations and within populations about um, what they do and where they go. Um, when they're diving, so they don't dive as long as other, other baleen whales. Uh, they only dive for about uh, six to 12 minutes and maybe up to 15. But again, their food really isn't deep down. So they don't really have to do that. Um, and I think, I think that's most of my stuff there. Um, yeah, they're just really varied. And we really just don't know a lot about these guys. Um, I think they're like porpoises in that they've kind of been not researched as much as other species because of the fact that they are hard to study and um, and in certain areas hard to find and they're just like to be left alone. It's funny because I think there are a fair amount population-wise. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think well, I'll talk about that <laughs> next actually. About, yeah. yeah. Yeah and you know obviously it's gonna be different for different geographic areas but oh that's one thing. The what, uh, one thing I want to know is the vocalizations. Oh, and, oh, I was going to talk about that. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> I won't then. But they have a lot of okay. different vocalizations and there's one that's really cool. And I'm sure Kat is going to talk about it. Yeah, because that's one of the fun facts for yes. my section. So Excellent. There you go. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just move into that. So their status, like Trevor was just saying, um, the minke whales, especially in the U.S., are not um, currently endangered or threatened, um, but they are protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Um, and because of that, they are... Oh, I guess not because of that, but as that, I guess, implies, they are actually the most abundant rock crawl species in the world. So like Cindy, you mentioned earlier, um, they think that one of the reasons that may be is actually because they were kind of left alone for a long time, where a lot right. of the larger whale species weren't. Um, and obviously they had that reduced competition for food resources at the time. Um, they are currently, the International Whaling Commission does currently recognize two stocks in the North Pacific as being of concern. Mm -hmm. um, and these are basically two stocks that are in and around the, the Japan area um, and the Pacific waters in that, in that region. And that is one of the locations where they are still currently whaled. So that kind of does make sense. Mm. Um, and there are basically just a very small number of the Eastern North Pacific animals, which is the West coast of the U.S. That always is a little confusing. Yeah, I know. I'm um, like, Eastern North <laughs> So confusing. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Um, and that state, those are, those animals are taken for subsistence by um, Alaskan peoples. So basically they are now starting to question the, because as you said, they're, they're quite difficult to find and difficult to keep tabs on. Um, they are now starting to question the current population estimates um, mm -hmm. and wondering that maybe some stocks are actually a little more depleted than they thought because of the modern whaling and hunting whaling, efforts, right. but that's that's still an unknown factor. We're not sure yet about what that looks like. Um, and that does tie in nicely to the threats for the minke whale. So whaling is obviously one of those threats. Um, 
they, I believe that several thousand have been hunted in the Northern Hemisphere since the commercials, commercial whalers started targeting minkies, which is still relatively few when you think how many whales were taken back in the heyday of, of whaling. Right. Um, but they actually, they have seen in the Southern Hemisphere that a few dwarf minkies were hunted as well. Um, as well they're really getting think. desperate if they're going for the, the smallest of the smallest. Yeah. Like, right? Guys. And I, I don't know if it's just because they're allowed to hunt minkies and they're not mm. allowed to hunt several other whale species. So maybe it's just, this is what we can, we can hunt. Yeah. So we can go for that. I'm, I'm not sure. Let's deplete those um, stocks as well. Great. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Um, so currently the, the countries that are still whaling are countries such as Greenland, Japan, and Norway. Um, mm -hmm. I believe Iceland also might still be taking minke whales um, for both food and for the scientific, scientific research category of whaling. Um, so there's that. Entanglement is also another main threat as we mentioned with the say whale as well. Um, so typically that's in fishing gear. And because minkies are so widely distributed, they're really susceptible to many different types of gear. Um, so anything that really involves lines um, is, a, is a potential problem. So they had listed ground fish trawls, gill nets, herring weirs, lobster traps, uh, purse seine nets, like basically anything with a net attached that's drifting in the water column is a potential issue for minky whale entanglement. Um, ocean noise is, and vessel strikes are, are two other kind of threats that are becoming more and more uh, spoken about, especially with the increase in shipping traffic um, and because of these animals' very wide distribution. Yeah. They are going to overlap with more fishing routes and have a potential for more noise exposure and for vessel strikes. And the noise exposure one is really interesting, which I'll talk about again in a second. Yeah, no, I just said I did a, a paper just came out about gray whales distribution and they overlapped it with 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 ship shipping lanes and stuff showing how how, how much more of an increase there is and like we're like likely not seeing it probably because not all those animals come in so it makes yeah. sense especially with their kind of circumpolar no not circumpolar uh, extensive cosmopolitan <laughs> extensive yes, range exactly. they're going to be overlapping <laughs> a lot of different shipping places yeah yeah so in relation to the ocean noise, I was going to talk about this last actually, but since you already brought it up, um, the vocalizations of the minkies. Um, so some of the ocean noise issue is actually due to not just that it might be disturbing to the animals, but also that it can really influence how well their vocalizations are heard by other whales. Right. So they have a vast array of sounds that they produce. Um, these include, this is a really fun list that I found. So they, <laughs> they include clicks, grunts, pulse trains, ratchets, thumps. And the really cool one that Cindy was mentioning is the boing. So all of these basically sound like exactly like the word would describe, right? So mm -hmm. clicks are clicks and grunts sound like grunts. And these boings are literally, they were unknown sounds for the longest time. And people were picking them up on the, on the hydrophones. And they're like, what on earth is this? Like, this it does not sound, sound like, like it should be coming from an animal. Yeah. No, it sounds like some weird space alien, like <laughs> 1980s like movie. <laughs> yeah, it does. No, it really does. It's it's gnarly. If the we can find, one. I know we found a link to it somewhere. Um, if we, maybe yeah, we can I have a link. I, have, I found one like on YouTube. I can put a link in the. Okay, we'll put a link in the show notes then. Cause yeah, that it's, it's so weird. It's, it's super cool. Um, but obviously because of that, and because they do utilize a lot of the lower, uh, lower sound frequencies, um, mm. that could be very problematic when you increase vessel noise in the ocean as well. Right. Um, so some other fun facts, the scientific name for minke whales actually translates to the winged whale. So Balano um, 
Yeah. I'm just, I'm just doing um, <laughs> Okay. I was like, sorry, I thought you were going to say something. No. <laughs> um, so Balenoptera is uh, the winged part and then Acutorostrata is their second part. And that means sharp snout. Uh, right. Because they do have that very pointy. And right. Quite a pointy rostrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And then the name Minky itself, the common name actually comes from a Norwegian whaling spotter named Mika, who mistook a minky whale for a blue whale. So apparently it became, it's probably like, oh, Mika's whale, because, you know, he always like, oh, pointing, make, making Mystic. fun of that guy. I know. But, and that's why I was like, well, it, well, okay, so he's a whale named after him, but it, it's kind of like not a nice thing. No, it's pretty, it's pretty like, derogatory, you... really. <clears throat> right, because it's like, dude, it's the, only, the second smallest baleen whale, and you mistook it right. for the largest animal on Earth. <laughs> you can just imagine, like, back in the day in Norway, they're just like, oh, there, there's another Minka's whale. Must, be, must be a blue whale, right? Like, <laughs> well, poor guy. Um, so minkies can live <laughs> up to 50 years, um, as far as we know. And as Cindy mentioned, they, they have a relatively short dive time for some of the other rorqual species. But again, they typically don't need to forage further beneath the surface. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to talk about too is just that, um, well, I guess the second last thing. So in relation to the dwarf minkies, again, um, just one other thing that I had found Trevor is just that they, they do also migrate um, pretty far seasonally. So that is something when you were talking about just the variation of migration um apparently the dwarf minkies do actually travel pretty far distances and it does seem to be a seasonal activity which is kind of interesting um and then the last thing is in relation to predator response which is super cool so in the larger baleen whales obviously orcas are their main predator um the mammal eating orcas are going to be the main main source of problem <laughs> for them um and Pretty much all of the larger baleen whales have adapted to have a specific response to predators and predation. So in the minkies, they opt for the flight response. So they're really fast when they want to be. So they mm -hmm. will basically just run away. If there's a threat, they will just run away. But the really fun thing that I learned when I was at university is that they basically ink before they run away. Oh, that's right. They release, they release a fecal plume. So they're not actually inking. They're basically <laughs> just pooping. But Same it idea. makes but them quicker. Right. So it's literally like, what? Freak out. Oh and they will, they will just release a fecal plume and then, then race away from the predator. And so they think that it is actually twofold. It might be like a bird that typically relieves itself before taking mm -hmm. flight. So it makes yeah. them a little bit speedier potentially, mm -hmm. but also it could potentially confuse their predator enough and like cloud yeah. the, cloud <laughs> the sea behind them enough that they could maybe have a little bit of a smoke screen to get away. Well, if you're a predator, I don't think you're thinking that somebody's going to poop in your face. So I, I think it would be a bit jarring. A yeah. little bit. And in yeah. the ocean, it's going to disperse. Yeah. Like pretty quickly. It's going to be like this big yeah. cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so anyway, and that was just, that was always one of my favorite minky stories. I'm like, I think that's the coolest thing ever. That is super cool. And going with when they go fast, I forgot to mention when they go fast, they, they put up a spray. And again, similar to porpoises where these guys do it so quickly that it comes up and it's kind of like a rooster tail. Um, mm. with the speed so like the doll's porpoises where they have that characteristic rooster tail splash oh cool. um, so you might be able to see that yeah so that was all my fun I, facts for the minkies uh the fun fact i'm gonna add which i think is just kind of cool they or somebody did a whale fall experiment in the north sea with the so minkie. they dropped a northern minky whale down 400 feet mm -hmm. to the bottom mm -hmm. and they discovered a new species of tube worm 
on the carcass. Did it only on minkies? And it was only on the minky. And wow. it's one of those two worms that attaches to the bone and then uses bacteria that specifically digest bone. Right. And that was a new species of worm that they discovered. Wow, that is cool. So that so was my if, Yeah, if you guys want to go back to our, our, our whale okay. fall episode um, to learn about that. But yeah, there's apparently these animals that are only found on certain species of whales when they fall. A lot of bone boring worms, I think a lot of them are called. But yes, specific species are only found on specific whale species. Yeah, that's which really I still cool. just don't understand how that happens. Like, how do they find these random whale falls? <laughs> pretty impressive anyway. well the minky the minky itself is i i was surprised at how much there really was for for how much we actually still don't know about them mm. but there's still so many interesting things about these little small baleen whales which you never would have thought maybe yeah. because they're so inconspicuous they have all these hidden treasures there you go it's always the, they're the dark horse of the the baleen whale world mm -hmm. that's why they always have a, a little bit in my heart because they're like the porpoises in that regards and so I, I feel for them and I want to root, root for them and um and so in in here again as I mentioned before in the sailor sea they do have the photo id that's going on and we send our pictures whenever we we happen to see a minky we send it to them and um so that they're really they're learning a lot more about our group here um through that photo id study and and collaborating with people in Canada and stuff too so there's some some cool stuff going on for these inconspicuous, mysterious little whales. Mm -hmm. All right, so that is our Minky Whale episode. Thank you guys so much for voting for the Minky. Yeah, <laughs> finally. See, aren't you glad that you did? Because there was so much to learn about Minky Whales. So much. I think it won pretty easily this time. So that, that Yeah, was. it was like a landslide. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was really uh, exciting to see. Um, so keep an eye out on the next, for the next one, uh, the beginning of the next month, we'll have another marine mammal highlight and have a poll out there for you guys. Uh, next pop up Pac-Man podcast episode will be, uh, I think likely another uh, journal review. So we'll find an interesting one to check out. There's some really been some really cool stuff that's been coming out lately. So mm -hmm. we'll pick a good one for that. And, uh, I think that's it. So have a great week or a couple of weeks until we see you again and, uh, we'll see you then. Bye. 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 This was brought to you by Pacific Mammal Research, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. To learn more about the species we discuss, check out our blog. Head to our website, www.pacmam.org, that's P-A-C-M-A-M.org, to check it out. Also, help us continue providing fun and educational content like this by donating today. Your help is how we can continue to do our work and share it with you. Thanks.